The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Joanne Mercer. Hi, Joanne. Hello, hello. It is Holy Week. It is a busy time of year, uh, and you both work for parishes. And so I thank you both for making time for us this week. Uh, we, have some, we have some good stuff we want to talk about. Uh, but first, uh, we have some feedback from our last episode where we talked about uh, emulators and retro gaming. And uh, the first one comes from Ezra, who is he's a, he's a preteen, he said in his email. And he says, uh, have you heard about RetroPie? It's basically an emulator for old DOS games. It runs Commodore 64, Nintendo, and lots of other emulators. I installed it on my Raspberry Pi 400 that I bought late last year. Unfortunately, I'm only 12. He's, so that's what, what his age. I'm only 12 mm-hmm. and don't have any old games I used to play with. So I asked my mom <laughs> about her games when she used to play, which was Frogger and Donkey Kong, which work really well with the Raspberry Pi. I now have a little retro gaming setup with an old USB gamepad I bought for pretty cheap. Amazing episode. Well, thanks, Ezra. We had fun. And Ret- RetroPie is a great way to do the retro gaming. Um, like you said, you can run Nintendo 64 or Nintendo. Well, you can actually, I think you can start to run Nintendo 64 now. That's still kind of weak, but Commodore 64, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega. Uh, I mean, any, anything really with the RetroPie is powerful enough to run anything like from the 90s earlier. I've got a uh, Raspberry I like to maybe do something with. Yeah. And it's nice, too, because RetroPie, what it is, it's got a really nice interface where it's all joystick control. For okay. moving between the different systems. So you select the system you want, you select the game you want, and it just starts it. And you can find USB gamepads all over the place on Amazon. Oh, yeah. You know, in flea markets, that sort of thing. Good old Xbox, good, the good old Xbox 360, Xbox One type controller runs great, usually. And the only thing I know about these games is anything 90s or, you know, earlier. Right. After that, forget it. Those, these are the only ones I know. I'd love to play Donkey Kong again. So, uh, well, then, Joanne, you're not going to be uh, as much interested in this next one email because we also got another email from... No, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll sit it out. Okay. So we got an email from Chris who writes, uh, This episode brought back a lot of memories of college where I spent a lot of time learning and using emulators. You mentioned the ones for DOS, but I remember using quite a few for various consoles. Now, I understand there's some copyright issues, but the one I really enjoyed was the MAME project. The idea was to emulate the specific board so that the way that way it had the same glitches and all. Very fascinating, trying to get controllers and games to work in order to play some of those really old arcade games. What's interesting is how that started my venture into virtualization. As I figured, that was the same thing, but quickly learned that virtualization is completely different. That's true. That's a whole other topic and maybe another episode. Uh, overall, I was glad that you encouraged people to look at the command line, as the GUI always has limitations plus some speed restrictions. I And uh, I, I agree. Uh, the, once you become a command line jockey, if you get good at it, <laughs> it gets really fast. I remember using a lot of older DOS games and applications where it was way faster to enter data or move around using only the keyboard. I'm even one who still prefers to play any uh, first-person shooter with a keyboard and mouse. Yeah, that's me. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, uh, you know, as as a Unix junkie, you know, command line is your is your savior. You know, as far as computer is concerned, everything command line. You know, as much as you can. So right, right, excellent. Uh, and uh, yeah, both of those. I th- I I thought we talked about Mame in a previous episode. I'm sure it's come up, but uh, I didn't I didn't see it in the in the notes. But I'm sure it's come up. But it's a good mention. Yeah, and Mame stands for Multi Arcade Machine Emulator. And that so then that's and that works by the way on Raspberry Pi. It works on RetroPie as well. Right. So right. That's one of the systems it can do. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like a lot of the game cabinets. You remember from the old arcades? I mean, now I'm really showing mm-hmm. my age, but uh, a lot of those game cabinets you might find on there, like Galaga and that sort of stuff. So, um, and I, I know I mentioned this before, but I have uh, an original 1977 Moon Patrol game cabinet. Oh, nice. It's just a cabinet uh, that they then, re- that the, the company that owned it, uh, CoinOp Company, it repurposed it as a uh, Street Fighter 2 cabinet. Oh, wow. And that board is still in there. But I'm, I'm, the reason why I have this cabinet is I want to use it for RetroPie with MAME and all these other emulators. Nice. So I can, uh, so I can have an actual arcade cabinet where I can play actual arcade games. That would be a cool project. Yeah, that is that sounds really cool. I, I like that. I want to I want to so do more of my pie and I just I, I got to get make the time to do it because it's just there's so much yes. you can do. It's a lot of fun. A lot I, of fun. I was reading about a guy who has a Raspberry Pi connected to a battery that when he would fly, he he takes it along with him and it it works as a server for his environment that he uses with his mm. laptop. Uh, it's sure. just kind of wild on That's a plane. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both, Ezra and Chris, for your emails and uh, your feedback. We love to get feedback and we uh, love to hear from listeners and uh, we, we love to hear the, these interesting ideas. So that's fantastic. Thank you so much. So let's move on to our primary topic for today. And we want to talk about something called fleeceware. And, you know, this shareware, this freeware, this, you know, it's one of the, those terms. But fleeceware is another kind of scam that's out there. And what it is, is it. There are apps, usually for phone or tablet, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the mobile apps, that trick you, they, they trick you into spending a lot more money than you intend. I think that might mm-hmm. be, the, is that a good description? That sounds uh, good. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like a good way to describe right. it. Yeah, the idea is to, is to suck as money, much money out as, you, as, they can, as they can. Now, they're not strictly malware. Like, malware is usually apps that are, that are, they don't do what they say. Their whole intent is to uh, do something bad to you, to your system, to make it insecure, that sort of thing. These are apps that usually they do what they say, more or less. <laughs> they might be poorly programmed, but they usually do what they say. But they just hide the cost, the the, the monetary cost from you and so that you can uh, unknowingly rack up big charges on your card. Uh, so So... What do you guys think of uh, for just you know, for, for off the top? Have you ever run into an app that you found out was fleeceware? I don't know if I ever have hit a fleeceware app, but you know, a lot of times these are things that are like clones of other apps. You know, like uh, let's say you know, remember Flappy Bird? You know, the famous oh, you yeah. click the bird to fly over. Well, all of a sudden there were five hundred clones of it, and some of them had a you know, to continue, pay $5 type thing, you know, stuff like that, you know, just off the top of my head. So, you know, a lot of times they're really, you know, cheap, clearly bad clones of um, of software that's legitimate, 
you know, so we probably probably run into them that way where you kind of look at them and go, yeah, this is there's something wrong with this. Get rid of it, you know. And and a lot of times they're not, you know, that you, you the news is about the ones that like they hide five hundred dollar charges or something. But a lot of times, if there's if the scammer is smart, they'll hit you with you know two dollars here, five dollars there, ten dollars there, and they sneak the charges in so it builds up slowly over time. Uh, fleece you a little bit at a time instead of trying to get it all at once. It's easier to see. But you're right. When an app becomes popular or viral, I, I think of also like the widget smith on the iOS, which when widgets became big and people were making their uh, phones aesthetic, it, it was the thing. I, I don't know why they, they call it aesthetic, but that's what it called it with, with specialty uh, uh, icons, that sort of stuff. There were all these widget clones apps. And they were doing the same sort of thing. Oh, you know, in order to keep doing this, you got to pay five or ten or whatever. Uh, and, and it becomes hard to find the actual app that you're trying to get. And you get, and they have that's the other thing is they often have deceptive names, you, you know, like Flippy Bird, <laughs> you know, yeah, the exactly. real flappy one, <laughs> yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. So, uh, Joanne, have you run into so you, you, uh, at all anything like that? No, I because I'm very diligent and what I put any app that I put on my phone or my iPad, I'm really diligent, but I have run into friends who have come up with, well, you know, I got this app and now it's asking me and I'm like, no, (laughs) don't do it. Delete it. Well, because they like with the Flappy Bird thing, they got something called Flippy Bird. Didn't quite hear Flappy Bird. Right, right. So now it's, it's, they're like, well, now what do I do? It's asking me all kinds of things and it wants me to give it money. And I'm like, no, don't please just delete that thing. Get it off your phone. Yeah. <laughs> and often in addition to sucking money out of you, it's sucking your data too. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. the other thing is mm-hmm. your data is, is valuable and it also wants to, to get your, your data and it wants all these permissions and that sort of stuff too. So that's another clear sign. In fact, we should talk about ways to avoid getting tricked into downloading these apps you know you you know if, if you want because we want legitimate apps so how do we avoid the fleeceware apps um so the first step i think is to is to figure out how to tell if i've already got one of these and what are the, some clear signs so, so uh father cory what would be a way on android to see what you've purchased and what you might have subscriptions because subscriptions is the key Right. Yeah. You can you can go into your phone and you can look at what you've purchased in the past. You can look at what are your current subscriptions and it all it's all through the Play Store, which is there. You know, Apple calls it the App Store. Google calls it the Play Store because Apple copyrighted App Store. So, <laughs> yes. Um, but so but Play Store and you go in, and you look at your account and there's a place where you can look at your uh, purchase history. Uh, the article from Lifehacker that we're going off of actually shows the steps you take. It's really easy. It's just you go in the Play Store, you click the little hamburger icon, which is the little menu icon, and there's a subscription button you, or line. There's You go in your account. There's a purchase history, and you can look at what you bought before. And, I, and that's something I think that's important to do once in a while is to go and look. And, I mean, you know, I did it, and, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm fine. All, everything that's there is everything I expect, but once in a while you might go, oh, I don't remember buying that. You know, and and then go back and track through. Okay, now I remember this. Okay, you know, or or oops, better get rid of that. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a good point. Is actually, I every once in a while, like in preparation for this episode, I was going through the steps on my iPhone, and I went to check my subscriptions, my active subscriptions, and I'm like, hmm, you know what? I'm not actually really using that app, and this that has an active subscription. I'm going to cancel that. <laughs> you know, and and that's probably a pretty good thing to do every once in a while. Apple's pretty good. Google's probably pretty good about when when there's a renewal of a subscription coming up, you can have it send you emails to hey, there's a renewal coming up. 
you know, is this something you want? Pay attention to those emails too, especially. But uh, yeah, that's a good point. Joanne, how about on iOS? What's the, what's the best way to check these things? Well, on iOS, when you go into settings, it's that lovely Apple ID. Under that thing, it contains a lot of information and you'll find subscriptions, especially. So if you already have a subscription, you can look there and see if this is, I, I like to do it every once in a while anyway. Because if I'm looking to get, you know, to sort of balance my budget, I want to see what I've got active. And it's nice that Apple puts them in one place, tells you the date that it's coming up, tells you you can cancel it right there if you want to. Um, You know, I have a couple coming up and I have one coming up tomorrow, but I think I'm going to try Apple Fitness for one more month Uh, (laughs) (laughs) after after Holy Week. Let's see if I can actually get into it. But if you want what I love is if you want to go back and check your past purchases. Now you go again, you're doing this through the App Store and what you want to do is go into purchased and it will show you everything that you've purchased like since the dawn of iOS time. And I think a lot of people already have apps on their phones that they really don't need anymore, or they don't realize have reached end of life. And even if they, you know, I, I, I stumble onto them a couple of times myself you know, because I get a lot of them to use in certain situations. I forget they're there. So when I go to use it, it's like, this thing is dead. So it's nice, you know, um, I used to say once a year, but now I'm into the, since everybody's doing it, when the clocks change, when the clocks change, you should go like you change your batteries. You should go take a look at your phone and say, what do I have here that I really don't need? Because it is sucking both data and battery life just by sitting there. And storage space on your your phone. Yeah. Uh, For those of you who have a million pictures, yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Well, one thing, so I want to point out, so when you open up the app store to get to purchased, look in the top right, you should see a picture of yourself or an icon, uh, if, if you've set a picture, and you tap on that, that's your account. And then you'll see purchased and subscriptions there. And if you have a family sharing account, when you click on purchased, you'll see my purchases and then family purchases. So you can see what everybody else is buying too. If you're, if you're the primary on your family account, if you're the, one of the, the adults on it. Right. And when you hit on that picture ID and it bring, it'll also bring up something that I found very interesting. I didn't know till this article, which was purchase history. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now that's nice. Because you get to see, did I actually pay for this app or was it, you know, zero, zero balance? Like I just, because I have T-Mobile, I get MLB for free. So I just had that installed, but it says zero. But the next one I had just bought a few days ago charged me. So it tells me how much I was billed. And then I can, I, if I want to hit that, I can actually see the purchase order. Right. And it shows everything, not just apps. It'll show anything like on your Apple ID. It shows all like movies and, uh, you know, your your monthly Apple account, uh, iCloud account charge and all that sort of stuff. So everything's on there. So which is which is and, and one one thing, too, and I, I believe both iOS and I know Android does this. You're required. They're actually legally required to give you a 24 hour grace period. Yes. Where for if you oh. buy something and immediately change your mind, you sh- you are re- they are required to allow you to cancel that that purchase return that purchase and that's how you go through on on io or on android i know for it because i've done i've done it before you do an in in-app purchase and then you immediately back it out there right right 
which I should should have done. I got I got caught on on a thing where I accidentally. This is a, a situation where I accidentally entered my credit card for a free trial period. And I was going we're going to talk about this in a second and in, in things to avoid and forgot to end the free trial and then missed the period of where I could dispute it. And Oops. so it's a learning experience. I, I, I chalk it up to you. I, yeah, I paid to learn something. Uh, and so maybe we should talk about that. The ways to avoid getting stuck with this stuff. Um, so the the first one I would mention is, is to be wary of apps that you see advertised on social media. Now, that doesn't mean that every app that you see on an Instagram ad is going to be trying to fleece you. But that's a, where a lot of these show up. So just be wary. And that's the thing is we're also I think that's a, to step back a second. We're not saying don't ever trust apps that you that are the, that fall into these categories, but you just be wary. And in the aggregate, as a, as a number of negatives pop up, you should it should make you more and more wary of an app. But that's my first one is be wary of apps that, that are advertised on social media in like Instagram feeds and that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of these these games you see advertised, you know, they sponsor YouTubers and they're all over Facebook and all this stuff. There's a reason why they can afford to do that, because they, they, they and they might not be technically fleeceware, but they're very heavy on promoting the in-app purchases, you know, so you, 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 games are really bad for that. You know, the quote unquote free to play games, they might be free to play, but they're pay to win. Right. Pay, well, and sometimes they're paid to keep playing because, yeah, you could keep playing, but unless you pay, it, you know, you it's you can't get anywhere. It becomes frustrating. And it's like it's only a dollar. It's only two two dollars. Yeah. Oh, if, if, if you want to make your next move, you can buy this one dollar upgrade that lets you move every four hours instead of eight hours. Right. Yeah, see, I'm a, I'm a patient woman. I will play things that are free, but the minute you start wanting to charge me, I will either wait until it recharges or I just delete. I very rarely play with things, and this is one of the reasons why. I feel like all they want to do, and I, sh I shouldn't generalize, but they just want to keep sucking you in and sucking your time. So I'm very wary. There's a reason why Fortnite and 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 uh, uh, Pokemon are billion dollar businesses because they're getting like, if they just sold them like for 20 bucks up front, they'd make a lot less money than the amount of money they're making off of selling little bits here and there. Well, and, and something like, like Pokemon, like the card game, obviously you're buying cards. That's, you know, that's kind of one thing. Cause you can play that. You can buy all the cards. It's the same thing with magic, the gathering, you know, the online magic, the gathering, you can buy the cards you want and you can play that game forever with those cards. It's a different thing altogether with something like Farmville was, was a bad, which now that Flash is gone, it's gone too. But <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of other. Yeah, Aww. I mean Pokemon Go, by the way, which is uh, Pokemon Go. Yeah, which okay. Yeah, I mean, which is not to say that it's a terrible thing, but you got to know what you're doing when you get into it. You got to know, you know, yeah. wh what your limits are. Admittedly, I've got I've got a very short patience for that kind of stuff. Where if the second you say, "Well, if you want to continue, you need to buy these coins," delete, gone. Right. I'm I'm not interested at that point. Yeah, you gotta be strict with yourself, and you gotta you gotta set your, you gotta know your limits and be clear in it. And frankly, one by the way, this is one of the reasons why I like Apple Arcade because it's five bucks a month, and it's they're not allowed to have in-app purchases, no cost. So, every, so you know, you, there's no frustrations with you know I can't keep going until I pay more money, and I can, I can feel good about my kids playing some of these games because I I'm not worried that they're going to accidentally buy a $300 in-app purchase on the thing, you know? So that's, that's one of the reasons why I I'm okay with our Apple arcade. 
Yeah, and one thing, you know, with with my rant, I'll you know, go on the other side of those. I like games that they've got ads, but then you can just one-time payment, and you'll never see an ad again. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm Crossy okay Road that. is one that's like that, where you buy one upgrade, even if it's a $1 character. Yeah. No more ads. I like that. More games need to do that. But what I'm finding is, maybe not so much in games, but apps in general, they're all moving to subscription. Mm-hmm. Right. So they want your money once a year. And yeah, there are some things I will pay for once a year. But then there are other things I'm like, no, I think I can find another app. Like the Weather Channel, for example, wants you to get into a subscription so you can actually get you can actually get the temperature of some places. And I'm like, no, <laughs> really? Seriously? You're not, so yeah, I'll just, you're not the only I'll weather app. The National Weather Service. Yeah, right. I'll just go to the National Weather Service for that. Thanks. Well, and and your phone Already comes with an app, with a weather app. Like there are some things <laughs> I'm willing to pay subscriptions, and other things like c- because the the pros and cons of the devil's advocate or the uh, on that is programmers. It's expensive to support an app. It can be expensive to support, especially a popular app, and having to trying to get people to pay you know to have a revenue stream so I can continue to be in business is hard. And so I get why a subscription uh, i'm okay with some subscriptions let me just put it that way because the developer has shown me that they're w- willing to constantly improve the app and i'm getting value for my money on the other hand uh, there are some like things they want subscriptions and they're ridiculous amount of money and i'm like i am not uh, like uh what was it ulysses i think it is which is a writing app and they want like all this extra money like I need to pay a subscription for my phone to have it on my phone and a subscription on my iPad separately. And, and I, I have to qualify that because I'm not certain it was Ulysses. It might've been another app, but, but there was an app that was doing that. I'm like, I, I, there are a million other text editors out there. I'm not going to do this, you know, that sort of thing. And to be clear too, we're, we're not just talking about places that have in-app purchases because there are again, legitimate Yes. Great in-app purchases or right. great subscription services. You know, Microsoft 365, if you need Office, is a great, great purchase, which you can use all over the place. And it's reasonable. We are talking about these apps that they basically they trick you or they put really onerous restrictions to get you to spend money to use these apps. And a lot of times they're just not worth it. And, and you know, again, I, I would. I'd argue some of these free-to-play games are very much fleeceware because they get you playing the game and, oh, if you want to keep playing the game, you got to spend more money. If you want to win the game, you got to spend more money. Right. Games are where it's worse. That's why we keep bringing them up. But there are other ones like calendar apps, uh, shopping list apps, contact, you know, address book apps, and especially things that are relatively easy to program a bad version of it <laughs> so that they the scammer doesn't have to put too much effort into it and where they can just hide in the crowd and i think that's that's let's mention some other things to look out for keep an eye on the ratings for the app now ratings are not always completely indicative of a quality of an app but again what are those things to keep an eye on if you see a lot of people going this app was uh, terrible it was poorly programmed it tricked me into buying <laughs> into buying a subscription look at the ratings yeah, and reviews. Yeah, yeah. Ratings and reviews you got to be careful with because, of course, you'll get the ones of, I don't like this company. The app is fine. The app works great, but the company is run by a, you know, blank, blank, blank. Yeah, you know? they're reviewing something other than the app. Right. And you see that on Amazon a lot. You know, it's like, this person, you know, this is by its third-party company, and they didn't ship it out in three weeks. The product's great, <laughs> Yeah, but it took three weeks to get here. 
and be careful of of um, reading reviews that have bad English in them because <laughs> sometimes they're not English speakers. And I, I, I think that happens more so on Amazon than anything else. Some people are paid to review things and skew things a certain way. Yes, if you so, see five-star or four-star reviews that are very poorly phrased or look very similar to the one above it, the one below it, <laughs> They, they yeah. may be scam reviews. Yeah. And I, I think both both app stores, both Google and Apple are good at getting those weeded out when they're reported. Yes, they're trying. It's a lot of work. I mean, there's a, there's millions of apps. So uh, one thing to do is both app stores will show you their what in-app purchases are available for the app and the most popular in-app purchases as well. So if you see one where it's like you could spend $500 on an in-app purchase and you and it's not something that's worth $500. I mean, you know, I could legitimately consider maybe something would be worth $500, I guess. But, you know, keep an eye on those in-app purchase lists. They, they're they there for a reason. The stores make that information available to help you. Also, uh, be wary of free trial periods that, for one, ask for your credit card up front. Uh, not mm-hmm. that that's a bad thing, but if they do, that means you've, like, like me, you've got to remember to, I should have done, put a, a note in your reminders you know, before the the trial is up, cancel or agree to continue. You know what I mean? That that sort of thing. Uh, so be wary of the free trial periods. And also, how long of a free trial do you get? Do I get, do I get a week? Do I get a month? Do I get 24 hours? Be wary of both those things. Yeah. And, and there are legitimate apps that do this as a, as a course. And that's nothing wrong with them. I mean, I wish they wouldn't. I mean, it's not that hard for them to program it to say, hey, your free trial is, you know, have a little splash screen. Your free trial has expired. You need to enter a credit card now. Right, right. The 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 first way, the, the, the way I mentioned was, is a way to kind of get money from people who forgot, you know, and I, I that's that's kind of that's kind of slimy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's depending on people to forget. And that's that's a good business. Yeah. And then look at how long, are the, like if you have a subscription that you're going to uh, pay for, how long is the subscription period? Uh, do you have to pay every week? Two dollars a week, two dollars a month, uh, two dollars a year. And then or if it's different, two dollars, two dollars a week, five dollars a month, 20 dollars a year. And then you got to look at that. OK, what's the value? How often am I going to use this? Uh, maybe it'd be better if I did a two dollars a, a week, even though it's it's more annually. But I need to figure out whether I'm going to keep using, be using this still in six months. You know, that sort of thing. So, you know, think about the subscription period. And then the, the last bit I would say is it's, it's sometimes it's easier to tell than others. But is the app constantly having its price changed? It's $2. It's $4. It's $1. It's $3. That's also sometimes a way for a scammer to try to trick people into buying the app at a high period or to suck a lot of people in at a low price and then raise the price for others, that sort of thing. So again, it's not bad that a developer would want to have a sale on his app to kind of boost sales. That's fine. But just it's another data point to keep in mind. Well, again, this is something you see with games where they will, okay, you, you can buy in for the first time for a dollar. Oh, but now you got to you got to spend more coins. And so now you got to pay the $2 level and now you got to pay more and now you got to get gems instead of coins and 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 you know right they the, it's a bait and switch in a sense any other tips for folks that uh, you think need to know more about this i i you know i kind of hinted at it but i personally am not a fan of in-app purchases and i am very careful when doing it you know i've got a couple of games that i do i have paid in-app huh. of all things microsoft solitaire collection i think it's on <laughs> oh, both of them yeah. but it's, it's like 
you get ads unless you pay like $10 a year or something like that. I mean, it, it's, and it's like, okay, yeah, I'll pay it. You know that I mean? Cause I play it every day. It's, it's solitaire. Who doesn't play solitaire, you know, but it, it really is. If you see an in-app purchase in a game or an, an app that you're going to use on a regular basis, really look at it carefully, you know, and again, look for another option because very likely you could find, as, as we said before, you can find an option that doesn't have the in-app purchase or a much cheaper one and you're better off in the long run. Just when you see that prompt for an in-app purchase, stop. Stop That's the think. biggest thing. Stop and look at it. Don't immediately click the, you know, yes, charge to Google Pay. Yes, charge to Apple Pay. Yes. And now here is a, a story that is a, uh, a, a tale of a warning tale, which is uh, out of Canada. This is an uh, article from CTV News about a grandmother whose 13-year-old grandson asked if he could use her credit card to buy him points for one of his games he plays. She gave him the card. She thought he was going to spend the most. She thought the most he could spend was fifteen. In over three days, he ran up fourteen hundred dollars in charges, and now her credit card company and the game company, I think it was Sony, says you're responsible for it. And she is. I mean, she she didn't do her due diligence of paying attention. She handed a thirteen year old a credit card. <laughs> you know what do you expect him to do? Like he's he's a he's a child. He's going to misuse it. Like he doesn't have the judgment in order to use it correctly. We keep seeing these stories of adults, parents, grandparents who who end up spending thousands of dollars because they gave a, a credit card to a kid, essentially. You know, and one 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 point that this uh, article makes is is good thing to avoid being fleeced by fleeceware is instead of using a credit card, buy the Google Play Store bucks, buy the Apple bucks, buy the gift cards and only use those in the stores because you can go to. Your grocery store, you can go to Target, Walmart, you can go online, you can buy these gift cards and then just enter those gift cards into the account. Okay, you've got 20 bucks this month to spend however you want. That's it. Once that gift card's out, you're done. And the same thing with Sony, with, with Xbox, same kind of thing. You know, you can do that with Nintendo, you can do that with all those. And that's a great way to avoid that is you just set a limit and say, no, I'm going to buy $20 worth of gift card. And once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, I I feel for her. I do. But the minute you give a teenager a credit card and, and what she didn't understand is he doesn't have to put it in for every purchase. He only has to put it in once. So once it's in, he's got carte blanche. Um, <laughs> literally. Yeah, I, literally, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's one of those things where, see, when I when I I will pick up free apps that have an in-app purchase, but usually it's a pro version of something. So these apps, so these apps are good. Okay. Don't avoid them, but know what you're doing. And like with, and if you're a grandparent or a parent who just basically wants to keep the kid occupied, uh, which I think could have been happening in this case, here's my credit card. Um, you know, you got to know what they're doing. Because if you don't, you're going to end up paying for it. And I love the last line, you know, he was going, he, he's planning on getting a job when he turns four. I sure hope he does. Yes, he's going to pay, yeah. pay she, back she, his grandma. She, yeah. yeah and, and where are the parents? Next question. Right, right. Yeah. Where's <laughs> where are mom the and parents dad? in this scenario? Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, I think that's good. If if uh, listeners have any questions about any of this, any flea, uh, the fleeceware or in-app purchases or anything like that, we would be happy to entertain those in the future in a future episode. And you can always reach us at technology at sqpn.com. 
before we move on, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Marilyn K, Kip C, Stephen G, Jorge M, and Jason K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. Now is a great time to become a StarQuest patron, thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter. When you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give, the first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor to support all our shows, including this one, making your gift go even further. And we are very, very, very close. We are so close to reaching our goal of $2,000 in new monthly pledges. And the reason we have that goal is we have some new shows we're working on. We have one show that's just on the cusp of being launched that uh, we're very excited about. Right, Father Corey? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Very much so. <laughs> and uh, we we think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, we also need to do some website upgrades. If you've been to our website, you know that we need website upgrades and that sort of thing. So won't you help us close the gap? Uh, if you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now's the time. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. So uh, we've got some headlines. We've been talking a lot about virtual reality headsets and, and virtual reality. And uh, there's an article that from the Wall Street Journal this past week that was very interesting. And we've talked also about virtual reality and older folks and seniors using it. And this article is about how nursing homes, assisted living facilities is what we call them now, uh, are using virtual reality headsets to help older folks under controlled conditions, because we talked about that last time, under controlled conditions, to to use the headsets to improve their lives. And there's some really interesting stuff. One of the things they talked about is uh, some studies that were done. Uh, a, a team from MIT found that 39% of a group of residents and senior res- residents reported better perceived overall health after using VR images related to travel and relaxation compared to another group who watched the same images on TV. So interesting, the the immersive aspect apparently is improves health, which I th- think is interesting. Uh, it was also even more impressive when it came to perceived emotional well-being. Uh, 29.7% f- for the VR group reported improvement compared with just 4.8% of the TV per- participants. So, and then there was another study that looked at uh, older adults with Typical cognitive abilities for their age with an average age of 68.7 years old. Those who played a specially developed VR game over a four-week period showed an improvement in long-term memory back to a level similar to younger adults. But those who played the same game on a tablet didn't see the same results, according to the study. So I think it's very interesting how VR being used for these you know, older folks is helping improve their their health, their emotional well-being, and, and life in general. What do you guys think of this? Well, if you've spent any time in an assisted living or nursing home, as I have, they do give them a lot of activity. But it's always in the same areas with the same people and the same walkers and the same, I can't hear anything <laughs> yes. going on, Okay. Giving them something in VR, as long as you don't allow them to stand up and try to walk around, um, I think gives them the the perceived notion that they're not in their same space all the time. And I think that would give them better overall feelings about them, their health themselves. Um, I hope they have it when I go. <laughs> because 
because I am the one I was the one I really loved in this article was the the Broadway one. To be able to to see a Broadway show as you would normally see it in, on you know in New York would be wonderful, you know. And I think that brings especially the older musicals. These are older people; they know these musicals by heart. And yes, when somebody comes in and sings it with them, it's just not the same, right? Mm-hmm. Or watches so, it on TV, yeah. Right. So always knowing that they're in a they're in the space they're in and getting them out of them out of that space for a little bit with VR. I'd like to see more of this. I'd like to see more, you know, um, work on this to see because there's going to be a lot of older people in the next 20, 30 years. And I'm one of them. (laughs) Right. It's interesting. My high school job was as a nurse's aide in a nursing home, assisted living facility. And and one of the biggest concerns is being the, the residents being isolated. Like you said, they're in the same facilities. They're going to the same dining hall. They're going to the same activity room. They're going through the same halls to the same rooms. And there, there's no variance to their life. And it very much isolates them, especially when they don't have family close by. And any time that these residents could get out, and I even saw that as a, a priest when I would go do mass where they were at the nursing home and, you know, one of the residents, oh, yeah, we're going to the we're going to the grocery store or we're going out to eat. You know, we're going over to the, the diner for for lunch or something like that. Even just something as simple as that, something we don't think of, you know, except for this year, last year because of COVID. <laughs> but something before last year, we never thought we never thought anything of Oh, I'm going to go to the cafe and grab a grab a burger, you know, never thought anything of it. But for them, that was a big deal. And I, you know, I can see this being expanded, not just for watching, um, you know, performances of a, a play or uh you know again doing like a vr game but can you imagine being able to if the technology as the technology develops eventually we'll be able to do basically skype over vr and can you imagine for these residents being able to talk to their children their grandchildren and it looks like they're sitting in a living room talking with them i mean that could be incredible for them um where yeah their their grandchild is 2000 miles away on the other side of the country but right now, at least for this next hour, they're right across the they're in room the same from room. them virtually. Yep. That's great. That would be a great um, improvement and development. I'd like to see that. Yeah. It, and it, it, this, this sort of improvement in emotional well-being and mental health and in just health in general. For There's a lot of people who over the past year have who are single and live alone and have not been out and don't have contact with other people and not, haven't been able to go anywhere. I think of all these people living in the big cities in their apartments. You know, a, a headset, a VR headset is a way to get out and, get, and go places. Uh, so, well, I mean, yeah, you get the person who lives in their little little motel or little uh, little studio? efficiency apartment, yeah. yeah, studio apartment. And their only interaction, person to person interaction is the Uber Eats guy. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So it says that the, the most popular genres have been travel, animals, and music, and that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, they they're not doing Beat Saber or <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't get up. Don't get up. Yeah, and, and a lot of these sets. I don't know if they're using the consumer versions or if these are specialty. It looks like they might. These might be specialty versions. But even the consumer versions, there are there are settings where you could do do the a lot of apps sitting down. Uh, one thing I'll mention is. Uh, Pat, who is on uh, also on the show uh, uh, a lot, she mentioned she got me interested in a Facebook group for Oculus Quest users over the age of forty, 
And it's so it's a lot. It's a lot of people who are not, you know, these youngins, you know, doing this crazy, you know, athletic stuff. We're just trying to figure out how the tech works. And a lot of it's it's a lot of people who aren't very familiar with tech. And so it's a pretty good group for if you want, if you just want to dip your toe in without feeling awkward and weird among these young people. Uh, it's it's a nice, nice place to start. All right. Let's move on to our next headline. This one is uh, <laughs> Amazon. Amazon is, you know, let's just every week. It's another big tech company that's behaving badly. So, <laughs> so exactly. this this is some good and some bad. This is not a clearly bad in one way or other, I think. But this is what it is. Amazon is requiring all its delivery drivers nationwide to sign a biometric consent form that gives the company permission to use AI-powered cameras, machine learning cameras, to access their location, movement, and biometric data, presumably while they're on the, you know, on the job. And it's not like 24 hours a day. Uh, the form requires them to agree to facial recognition and other biometric data to ensure that they're doing things like wearing their seatbelts, uh, obeying traffic laws. Uh, you know, um, it, it, it monitors, let's see. Vehicle location and movement, miles driven, speed, acceleration, braking turns, following distance, and and other and also what they're doing in the car. So uh, if they're not wearing a seatbelt, if they appear distracted, uh, if you're if they're tired, so if they're yawning, um, which you know being tired while driving could be unsafe. Uh, monitoring their body and facial movements. Uh, some drivers are saying, "I don't want it to be micromanaged." And I could I could see that. And uh, but what do you all think of this? I mean, on the one hand, safer drivers. On the other hand, privacy. I, I think I'm just bewildered at the fact that we either have to legislate or document every single thing people should be doing out of common sense. If you're if you're working for a company, you should be following their rules. You should be do, I mean, there's always a bad actor here or there, but this isn't one or two. This is like a lot because because they wouldn't be doing something like this if they hadn't had what maybe hundreds of complaints from people being cut off by Amazon vans, by people watching their stuff get thrown on their porch, like I have. Um, you know, things like that. But I can't believe we have to dictate or be big brother over this. People should know when you do a job, you should do it well. And here's the here's the parameters of the job and you do it. Maybe I'm just a Pollyanna, but gee, <laughs> but gee you know, and, and I, I know there's concern with Amazon's rules and how they handle these these contractors. These aren't even direct Amazon employees. It's a lot like FedEx does as well, where some places uh, it's a contracting company that provides the drivers and the vehicles and everything. And FedEx, you know, handles everything beyond that. But. This is an issue that is being raised in all the transportation sectors. I know it's in trucking. It's a big issue of, you know, if you're driving the over the road trucks that they that if you're working for a big company, you, you've got cameras, railroads. I know it, it's it's a big concern that they'll have in cab cameras. They already have cameras that focus out of the 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 locomotive onto the tracks ahead. But they also want to have it. So it's watching the drivers themselves, the engineers themselves. And so this is kind of the same thing. Of, you know, and, and let's be honest, those, those of us who worked in offices, you're like, yeah, you have no expectation of privacy in an office. Why do you think <laughs> you're going to have one in a van? Exactly. You know? But but again, there is a contrapoint, though, that Amazon is known for having some very ridiculous requirements at times. You know, you got 
10 seconds to make this delivery, but you've got to do it very nicely and gently and walk both ways and don't for speed and, 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 you know, so that's there, a big there's part both sides of it. the argument. Yeah. If Amazon hadn't already been caught doing bad labor practices, this might not have been as big a deal, but so that, I think that's part of why it's a big deal. Uh, they did say that when they did a, when they tested this technology last year, April to October, they saw a de- decrease in accidents, 48%. Stop sign violations decreased 20%. Driving without a seatbelt decreased 60%. Distracted driving decreased 45%. I mean, that is a, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, it doesn't say how much they were. I mean, that's a, when you're talking about statistics, you got to understand, you know, 60% or 48% can be a, a sound like a lot, but if it's like from five to three, that's not as big of a deal, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, or right. five to two. So you have to kind of t- take things with a grain of salt a little bit. But it, what they're saying is, is it's decreased by, you know, they've seen improvements. I, I think I just go back to its work ethic, you know, and it, it's just a lack of worth at work ethic. My husband and I discuss this quite a bit because we're older and we're watching what's happening when you hire younger people and their expectations of what, how they should do their job can sometimes be different than your expectations of how you want them to do the job. Yeah. And to be clear, so, it's, it's not, it's not a particular generation. It's always that way with young people who don't have work true. experience. They, they come right. in and they need to learn that there's a work ethic you have to learn. And, and it, it behooves parents to teach your kids about work ethic uh, before they get their first job. That's what I was going to say, because parents, my parents taught me and because they were depression aged, you know, teenagers, they taught me how to have a work ethic and to be happy and to and to not so much be happy, but to be proud of whatever I do, how big or how small. And I think that's gotten lost in translation for maybe two or three generations because everybody wants the big job where they can get the big bucks and do Big very things little and, <laughs> for very yeah, little work for very right. yeah. exactly yeah they want the easy you know and, and there, there's there is a spiritual side to this too of you know everything we do should be for the glory of god and um you know this is I, i've talked before i like opus day the message of opus day and, and saint tosa maria scriva because of this it's even when you're doing your tedious job of driving the amazon van around and putting packages on people's porches and in their mailboxes do it for the glory of God. I agree. I agree. I think and it's you might a really be making point. someone happy when you bring that package to them who can't get out. I mean, they don't they don't make the dots. They don't connect them. I mean, it makes my kids happy. They love every box that comes. They're really it's like Christmas Day every day, even if it's shampoo. You know, they're just like, what's in the it's box? A, for me too. I mean, what, for me too. Come on. <laughs> so awesome. I got a new toy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So our last headline is uh, the the. Experiment of uh, the release of big movies in streaming and in theaters at the same time is, at least for Warner Brothers, is going to end in 2022. This year, they were releasing their big hits, uh, the uh, Wonder Woman 84, Godzilla vs. King Kong, Mortal Kombat, Suicide Squad, Dune, Matrix 4. These are all releasing simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters uh, this year, like so, with, with a, the day of release is the same in both, and we've talked about this uh, on this show and on Secrets of Movies and TV shows. Uh, uh, the the whole movies in theaters in twenty 2020, twenty 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 one, but Warner Brothers said they've reached a new deal with uh, one of the big theater chains, Regal, that uh, w- next year, next uh, in twenty twenty two, 
they will start having exclusive release first in theaters and then a 45-day theater exclusivity window instead of the 90 days that existed before. So you won't be able to stream right away 45, for 45 days, but you it will be quicker than it was in the past. Uh, Paramount has said that they're doing this, uh, and I think Universal has also uh, said that they're going back to this. We haven't heard about what Disney is doing. They've been putting things on uh, Disney Plus and chart, and you can pay thirty bucks to get it early access. In that case, which may or may not be worthwhile to you, not for me. Uh, this was Star Wars, so uh, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. So, what do y'all think of this? Uh, do, does it sound like a good idea? Is this doomed to failure eventually? Is streaming the way of the future? What do y'all think? Did we did we ever think that they'd just want to stay streaming forever? No. They knew they were going to try to go back to the theaters. but And I love seeing a picture on a big screen. But if anything taught me anything in this pandemic, it's I'm not so sure I want to be sitting in a room with people with, where I don't know how the ventilation is for two hours and something and touching armrests and touching, you know, do I even want to be doing this when I have a beautiful stereo tv at home with all the the nuts and bolts and i can watch it there and besides not every i mean amazon amazon video and netflix have put out some very top-notch theatrical content yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and why you know and i'm already paying top dollar for both of them in a way so why would i for the except for the occasional thing that i have to see on a big screen I this may be a doomed experiment because I think the horse left the barn with the pandemic. I really do. I think the horse left the barn. Yeah, and it's, I, I wonder. I wonder about that too. And of course, I like it mentions Disney. It's like I'm sorry, Disney's not going to go back. Disney's not going to go back. They they know they've got the IP that people are going to want to watch. They've got Disney Plus that people are subscribing to left, right, and center because they got all the good stuff there. And I mean, am I going to pay thirty dollars to watch a new Disney movie? No. No, I'm not. But if they made it $10 above the Disney subscription, then we <laughs> yeah. might talk. You know, and again, you know, especially as a single person, $30 is a no. That I wouldn't pay $30 for any kind of movie when I can just wait and, you know, again, get it through, a, you know, app, Amazon or Netflix or Disney themselves. Um, In 45 days. I think that, yeah. you know, and one thing I think we forget is the movie theaters are already struggling. Before the pandemic, they were already having trouble getting people to come in. I mean, before the pandemic, I think it was probably five years since last time I stepped foot in a theater. And that was before 2020. I, you know, and you're not close to a theater where, where you are in Montana, though, right? Uh, well, I wasn't at the time, but okay. I am now. I'm only 20 miles away uh, from, a, from a nice theater. And I think that's something the theater owners are going to have to think about their ticket prices. They're going to have to think about the what they the offer, amenities, yeah. the, cl- the amenities, the cleanliness. Because let's be honest, I've got a you know a nice TV with a nice sound system, and I can sit in my nice comfy recliner and watch in much more comfort in my room or my house than I can at a theater which doesn't have as nice of seats. And you can pause. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can pause it if something happens. Or, or if you need not, to leave the if room. If you need to leave the room for a minute. Yes. The, <laughs> exactly. The food, the, the food is cheaper. The drink is cheaper. You know, I don't like, I don't know if the 
theater here offers beer. I can have a beer. You know, I like beer. I admit it. Um, but popcorn's cheaper. It's a lot. Yeah, although theater popcorn is always so much better. Yes, it but, is. They, they put an addictive substance in it that makes you crave it fortnightly. No, I'm so sorry. I'm just quoting Sorry, Mary Max Murder. But it's just there's there's so many advantages to doing it at home. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about being crowded next to someone and the sticky floor. And if, if you do at home, you've got problems cleaning. That's another story. <laughs> you know, there are so many advantages to watching at home that you don't have at the theater anymore. And and I tell you, I mean, as a fa- as a as a family of seven, when we would go to see the new Star Wars movie, when it just and that's the only movie that I took all the kids to the kids like they, we, we see Star Wars in the theater. And that's about the only movies we were seeing in person. and. That's $110 or something along those lines. I think it was the last time I paid to take us all. That's a huge expense for my family, yeah. mm-hmm. as opposed to 30 which I could, I'd be glad to pay $30 to watch a movie with the whole family here, comfy when we want, at the time we choose, and able to pause, and all that sort of nonsense. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think that, I don't think this saves the theaters. I think we'll always have movie theaters, but I think there will, we're going to see continued shakeout in the theater industry. And I think it's going to trickle down to the Oscars you know, this year because of the pandemic. They had to consider movies that were just released in streaming, which they didn't want to do last year. But now and, and I think, again, the horse has left the barn because you're some com- some big studios have decided going with a Netflix or going with an Apple T you know, Apple TV plus is the way to go because they're getting the money from them. That's right. That's right. So I think I think that's yet another thing that I think uh, uh, coronavirus has changed in our society for a on a fairly permanent basis. All right. I think that does it for our headlines this week. Let's move on to our picks of the week. And Joanne, what's your pick this week? Well, I'm going to get you to spend money um, (laughs) if you want, because I'm coming back with something that, again, is still in the Indiegogo phase, but they've sold three million of them. Wow. And right. And I had introduced everybody before to the Hyperjuice um, GAN charger. The hundred watt, the hundred watt one, and that was the four slot. You got two USB Cs and two S, two USB As. This one is smaller. It's a sixty-five watt, so you get two USB Cs and one USB A. However, it has a pass-through, so it's stackable, and it's not only stackable. You don't lose the outlet. So now you have, yeah. and and it comes in a beautiful black <laughs> instead of white. <laughs> but again, I, I like these because instead of bringing 20 chargers with you when you decide to go away and the next time we can get out and go on vacation, or even just for work purposes, when I'm going back and forth between churches, I can carry one charger now and plug everything into it. I really liked this. And I like the fact that it is, it is stackable because you know, when you go to, when you, when we used to have meetings in person and there was one plug in the middle of the room and that was, and everybody wanted that one plug, even at, <laughs> even at, at MC. Well, if you had one of these, this works. And right now they are on Indiegogo and I'm just trying to get the, the price if you buy you can buy one for the pledge now is 48 i think for the small they have two versions now yeah, when 65. i bought it, it was just the one okay you can get the 65 or you can get the 100 
but the 100 has three USB-Cs and only one USB-A, because I really don't have a lot of USB-A need anymore. Yeah, it's starting to move over to USB-Cs, so. But I think it's, I'm using them. They haven't shocked me yet, so. (laughs) And it's the same pull-down plug as the other, so it folds away nice and easy. Very nice. That's very nice. I like it, and uh, it it is compact enough where you could put it in a power strip and it won't take up everything like some some of these do. That's they, nice. When they say it's about the size of a um, of a um, container of chiclets or something like that, yeah, that's what it is. Okay, it's that small. Yeah. Wow. Awesome, Father Corey. What's your pick? So, kind of a, a story to go along with this pick. <laughs> um, Back in episode 65 of Secrets of Technology, you can hear about my Hackintosh system that I built. That was about a year ago, a little under, about 11 months ago. And uh, it started getting glitchy. It started locking up. It started having freezes. Uh, Chrome and Facebook ta- or uh, Firefox tabs started crashing. So it's, and I, I was thinking at first is, okay, this is a Hackintosh. So Mac OS, maybe there was an update that's causing problems with Mac OS. That's causing these lockups, especially when I'm playing like games that are more memory intensive. So I switch over to Windows and within a day, blue screen of death. Okay. First thing to test memory, because again, it was it was only when I was doing things like, say, watching a YouTube video while playing a video game, which is more memory intensive. So I download an, a program I've been familiar with since way back when, because this was originally open source back in for Linux. You can still find it on Linux distros called MemTest86. And what this is, it's a stress test for memory. Its purpose is to sit there and just pound your memory. And they've got newer version. They've got older version and newer version. The newer version is for the 64-bit systems. And it's absolutely fantastic. You Load it on an, there's a free version, there's a pro version, and a site version. Free version is just what it says. One person sitting at home, stress testing your machine. Pro version is for like a company. Let's say you're, you're building computers or you're an IT guy and you need to test computers. You can throw it on a memory stick, you know, on a, a USB stick, go to a computer, reboot the computer, boot it up and go. And then the site edition is you're a big, you know, big corporation like SQPN and can buy, you know, lots oh, of, yes. Yes, and they say, it's, you know, <laughs> one corporation, one corporation in one country. So like IBM would have to buy one for each country they work in, but that's still, they can afford that. But it's, it, even the free edition is very feature filled. It's purpose. Like I said, you throw it on, you rip it to an ISO or, uh, yeah, yeah copy it to an ISO and there's, it shows, it's got instructions how to do that from that ISO. To a memory stick, you reboot the system off the memory stick and you walk away and you just let it run. And you can do a lot with it too. You don't have to just fire it off. You can set up, I want to do these kind of tests. I want to do this kind of reporting. It logs everything it does. And so when you, and I, Dom, you saw that where I took the picture of it mm-hmm. where it failed. It found that, yes, one of my memory sticks had a bad chunk. The chunk of the memory stick went bad. So there was all these bytes that were flipping instead of, you know, I should see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It would say two, one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It would flip something. A byte would flip somehow. Some bit would get twisted so that the memory was bad. And I was able to use that to figure out exactly which memory stick was the bad one. 
and and get it warrantied. And that that'll be another pick for another day is the Corsair and their great customer service. But um, this tool told showed me logs of okay, here's the memory locations, here's what we expected, here's what we got. When it hit like ten thousand errors, it just put up a big red fail. <laughs> it was really clear. You've got a problem. So Memtest 86. Hmm? And will this, th- so you ran it on your Hackintosh. Will, will this run on a standard Mac or? Yes, it will. Oh, okay. This will run on any, it will run on ARM. It will run. And now that being caveat. An Intel Probably Mac. not ARM M1s <laughs> yet. Yes. Okay. Yet. I'm sure they'll work on it. But yes, it will run. It should run on your standard MacBook Pro, iMac, you know, runs on Hackintosh, runs on any, you know, Intel based system. Definitely. And then again, some of the ARM systems as well, because it's not just designed for like PCs, home users. This is something that you could run on, you know, Google server farm if they're trying to figure out what's wrong with one system. Now, they usually don't. They just basically pull that system out, put a new one in and deal with it later. But you could do, you know, any kind of anything from just small individual PCs up to major servers. This is designed to run on and it's just. It's one of those tools that if you're ever going to be trying to troubleshoot a problem with a computer, and it's something that I think your average home user could figure out to at least be able to say, okay, we've got a problem here. There's something wrong with the system. Okay, run this program. Oh, here's what it's showing me. Big red fail. Yeah, we've got a problem. Um, so it's it's very excellent tool for this purpose. Here, I'm going to throw my little political jab in. <laughs> and here's the nice thing about building a Hackintosh. I can replace my memory. Apple can't. <laughs> Not yes. anymore. Yeah. Now that they solder it in. Yeah. <laughs> Bad memory leads to uh, logic board a swap out. Yes, that would be. That's that's the thing. Uh, all right. Good. Thank you. That's a, that's a good pick. That's uh, good to help people with their uh, systems. Uh, all right, here's my pick. This is my ongoing effort to uh, to take your challenge, Father Corey. I think it was you who uh, challenged me about about all of my little uh, apps that I run in my menu bar on my Mac <laughs> to, 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 to <laughs> make them pixel week. Because now I'm not, this is what I'm going to do now from now on. Uh, so uh, this one is called Mountain, and what it does is it it's in just little app that lives in the menu bar that lets you mount and eject external volumes easily, which which. It does more than that, though. So in addition to mounting and and ejecting them, what you could do is you could have it mount certain volumes, whether it's a server volume or an external drive, at boot up. So sometimes, like, I always want to have my NAS drive folders available when I'm working because I've got certain automations that run that move things off to the off to my network attached storage. I whenever the computer boots up, I just want them always available. If they dismount, I want them to remount. If the if the NAS reboots. I want it to bring that back. So it, it, it'll keep some things always mounted or my clone drive. So I clone my hard drive every day. I always want that unmounted because I don't want uh, apps or f- launching from the clone drive or documents launching from the clone drive instead of from my main drive. So, you know, I, I, that clone drive is just b- backup. So it does that. Um, it will also give you notifications when you're, uh, drives mount or unmount sometimes you have a loose connection and you, the drive is like unmounting on its own uh it can give you uh, a list of recent servers so you click on it and it will show you servers you can easily remount servers just by clicking on them in the menu uh it will tell you what sometimes when you want to remove a drive or a server volume it will say oh an app is using this drive 
and doesn't tell you <laughs> which one it is. <laughs> uh, this one will help you identify. Uh, this app will help you identify which ones are there. Now, a couple things. It it is it says it requires it's ready for macOS High Sierra, which is several operating systems back. However, and it doesn't get updated very often. I'm not even sure where the last time it was updated, but it still works. So keep that in mind. It. I, I am every time there's a system update, I'm waiting for it to to break and I have to go find a new thing like this because it's there's, there's nothing I haven't found anything like that does all of this out there, uh, but it keeps working and so it's it's still out there. They did update it for when we went to Catalina. We had the 64 bit, uh, everything had to be 64 bit with Catalina, so it still works. So nice little app, very handy. I ne- hardly ever have to think about it because it just does its job, and that's that's what you want. So I think that's about does it for us now. Uh, if you have any comments, any feedback for us, any questions, you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you can find links from our discussion and these picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember to like our episodes of Secrets of Technology on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at sqpn or leave us and and, and leave us comments in those places. We, that's another way to contact us and have and uh, engage with our content with our show. Until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Technology. Thanks, Dom. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.